Dear loving Father in heaven, thank you Lord for giving us the grace to be among the living today. We realize that we are unworthy of life and our sins are ever before us and we know that without you we cannot make any advancement heavenward. Therefore Lord we pray, please look not upon our iniquities or our sins and receive us to yourself as we fellowship with you. We pray, Lord, that it shall be a stepping stone to us becoming more and more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Speak to us from your word, O Lord, but we cannot understand except you grant us of your spirit. Please, Lord, fulfill your promise and grant to us the gift of your Holy Spirit, which you promised to all that asked. Lord, grant to us understanding. I pray, Lord, that you will consecrate me to your service for the sake of your children, O Lord, whom you sent your son to die for, please. Put your words in my mouth, that blessings may be spoken to all and that we may receive edification and that your words may lift us up to heavenly places. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, July 15 A Paralyzed Arm And his hand which he put forth against him dried up, so that he could not pull it in again to him. 1 Kings chapter 13 verse 4 Jeroboam was filled with a spirit of defiance against God and attempted to restrain the one who had delivered the message in wrath, he put forth his hand from the altar and cried out, Lay hold on him. His impetuous act met, met with swift rebuke. The hand outstretched against the messenger of Jehovah suddenly became powerless and withered and could not be withdrawn. Terror stricken, the king appealed to the prophet to intercede with God in his behalf. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and became as it was before. Vain had been Jeroboam's efforts to invest with solemnity the dedication of a strange altar, respect for which would have led to disrespect for the worship of Jehovah in the temple at Jerusalem. By the message of the prophet, the king of Israel should have been led to repent and renounce his wicked purposes, which were turning the people away from the true worship of God. But he hardened his heart and determined to follow a way of his own choosing. The Lord seeks to save and not to destroy. He delights in the rescue of sinners. As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 11 by warnings and entreaties, he calls the wayward to cease from their evil doing and to turn to him and live. He gives his chosen messengers a holy boldness that those who hear may fear and be brought to repentance. How firmly the man of God rebuked the king, and this firmness was essential. In no other way could the existing evils have been rebuked. The Lord gave his servant boldness, 
that an abiding impression might be made on those who heard. The messengers of the Lord are never to fear the face of man, but are to stand unflinchingly for the right. So long as they put their trust in God, they need not fear, for he who gives them their commission gives them also the assurance of his protecting care. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is A Paralyzed Arm, and we are going to look in depth into the life of King Jeroboam. Yesterday we already talked a bit about him. He is the one that took over the northern kingdom with the other nine tribes of Israel, while Rehoboam was the king of the southern kingdom with Judah, Benjamin, and all such as chose to worship God in truth and in spirit in Jerusalem. Why was it that some people left the kingdom of Jeroboam and went down to the kingdom of Rehoboam? That incident was something remarkable. After Jeroboam took the other nine tribes of Israel to himself and was ruling over them as king, the Lord was the one who did this, by the way. It was the Lord who ensured that the kingdom was divided and that Jeroboam was going to be ruler over the northern kingdom. The Lord did this intending that Jeroboam should have a positive influence on the people and should humble himself understanding why the Lord did uh, give the other people to be under him. It was so that through his influence, Jeroboam would lead them to serve the true God that Solomon had caused the people of Israel to turn away from God. Since Jeroboam knew this, because there was a prophet who came to Jeroboam and told him the reason why God was dividing the kingdom. The prophet told Jeroboam clearly that it was because of Solomon's sins that the Lord would give the kingdom to Jeroboam. If you read the book of 1 Kings chapter 11 from verse 9 downward, Jeroboam was properly explained to why this will happen. Prophet Ahijah was the one that came to meet Jeroboam and in 1 Kings 11 verse 30 it says and Ahijah cut the new garment that was on him and rent it in 12 pieces and he said to Jeroboam take thee 10 pieces for thus said the Lord the God of Israel behold I will rent the kingdom of out of the hand of Solomon and will give 10 tribes to thee but he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake and for Jerusalem's sake the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, because that they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Decidonians, Chemosh, the goddess of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes and to keep my statutes and my judgments as did David his father. So, Prophet Ahijah made Jeroboam know very clearly why the kingdom was being taken away from David's household. So Jeroboam had no excuse to hold on to saying he didn't know what his duty was. He knew very well what his duty was. That his duty was to ensure that the reason for which Solomon and David's family, I would say, uh, lost the kingdom was to be uh, traced from cause to effect and dealt with. It was the worship of other gods. That was the reason. Ahijah told Jeroboam very clearly. Jeroboam heard also. But when Jeroboam became king, 
Jeroboam did something that was very evil. 1 Kings 12 verse 25 says, Then Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim, and dwelt therein, and went out from thence, and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said, in his heart, he didn't say it openly, Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. Now question, is there anything wrong in the kingdom returning to the house of David? No, there's nothing wrong with that. But Jeroboam had become so self-conscious, self-exalting, and wanted to consolidate the kingdom under himself. And in his heart, he loved to rule. He loved to be in charge. He loved power. And he said in his heart, I don't want to lose this power. I'm enjoying the superiority I have over people. And then he said, If these people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of these people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel, and the other put he in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. And he made an house of high places, and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month on the fifteenth day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah, and he offered upon the altar. So did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made. And he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised of his own heart, and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel. And he offered the, upon the altar and burnt incense. You see that? One will think that an Israelite will never do something like this, building a golden calf. That was what he did. What does the golden calf remind an Israelite of? It reminds them of the apostasy that they had in the wilderness, where they built a golden calf and they worshipped it and the Lord was offended with them that day. Jeroboam did the same thing and took advantage of the weakness of the people. You may not understand the location that he placed these calves in Dan and in Bethel. Those were strategic locations. Bethel is the place where Jacob saw that vision or dream where there was a ladder and he saw angels ascending and descending upon that ladder and then when he woke up he said surely the lord is in this place and i knew it not and he built an altar in that place so he strategically chose Bethel, a sacred site and put that altar there and the golden calf there because the people already considered it a holy place sort of but um, Jeroboam selected that place that strategically because the people's mind will also feel, yeah, this place is also good. It's also a place where our father Jacob saw the Lord. Secondly, he selected Dan. We have not gone through that story, but in the book of Judges, there's something about the people of Dan that we have not said. The Bible says that the people of Dan, even in the days of David, I believe, because of the way things happened for them, they continued to worship away from Jerusalem long before even the days of Jeroboam. In the book of Judges chapter 17 and also 18, you'll see where it says that the Danites continued to worship wherever they worshipped. They were not worshipping Jerusalem. That's if you read verse 30, it says, And the children of Dan set up the graven image, and Jonathan the son of Geshom, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. 
and they set them up Micah's graven image which he had made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. So what does that tell you? Even during the days of Eli, Dan, the people of Dan were worshipping in another place. Even during the days of David, of Saul, of Solomon, people of Dan were not really people who were worshipping God. Now, Jeroboam took advantage of that. Instead of him to be one who would lead the people of Dan to worship the true God, because of selfishness and wanting to consolidate power in himself, he, he, he used his influence to make them continue in their evil. You see, I've said earlier that when we are studying about the kings, we are studying about the power of influence, the talent of influence and how it should be used. Jeroboam used his influence to bring glory to himself and even in his own words he said in his heart that's what we read that if these people go to jerusalem they shall return unto their lord and that was what he didn't want whether it is the lord as it is rehobam or the lord god of heaven he did not want them to go to the god of heaven or to rehobam this is what man can be when you get intoxicated with power as we look at the life of the kings, you understand something that power is intoxicating. That's what it is. And it already intoxicated Jeroboam. Now, what were the consequences of this thing that Jeroboam did? In Second Chronicles 11, verse 13 to 16, we saw it yesterday. It made the people who loved God to go away from him. Remember that I've been saying nine tribes, nine tribes. It was what Ahijah told him. He rent that garment in 12 pieces and gave him 10 and gave only one to uh, David's family. But it was not exactly like that. Because of this act of, Jer- of Jeroboam, the Levites left his kingdom and went to Rehoboam's place. And Benjamin, of course, was also under uh, Rehoboam already. Those who loved the Lord, they left him because they were offended with what was going on. Now, First Kings 13 also tells us another thing that happened. Reading from verse 1, it says, and behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he, as the man of God, cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord had spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him and his hand which he put forth against him dried up so that he could not pull it in again to him the altar also was rent and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of god had given by the word of the lord and the king answered and said unto the man of god entreat now the face of the lord thy god and pray for me that my hand may be restored me again and the man of god besought the lord and the king's hand was restored again him again and became as it was before amen 
we're not going to look much into the story of this man i know this prophet has a remarkable story but what we are going to look at mostly is the fact that when there is a kind of deep apostasy going on in the house of god god needs people like this prophet who will not look at the position of anyone and who doesn't is not afraid or so conscious of his own low estate that he would want to speak in a way that will not send the message clearly this prophet came and he had a message of god jeroboam needed a stern rebuke and this prophet was raised up to speak to jeroboam and rebuke him now the bible says of course that when you have kings you are to respect them but not in cases like this where you see there's an apostasy god raised up people like john the baptist to rebuke kings and his prophets have done it in the past even before john the baptist and this prophet is one of them we will see subsequently concerning elijah also this is not a matter of who is in a higher position than who or who is older than who we don't know the age difference between them but one thing we know is that jeroboam was the king regardless of how young or how old this prophet was jeroboam was superior to him but this superiority does not hold water when there is deep apostasy going on and the lord raised this prophet to give his message to the king who was in apostasy and leading israel into a deep great sin do you know how bad this thing that jeroboam did was so terrible it was that Israel never, never ever recovered from what Jeroboam did. Never did they recover. Eventually, after this thing that Jeroboam did, they started going down a slippery slope till they were destroyed. Today, what you know as Israel, the country you know as Israel, those people are just the tribe of Judah, Benjamin, and the Levites. All the other nine tribes, because of this matter of Jeroboam, eventually, many years later, they got wiped out. They got wiped out. God rejected them completely. Influence of one man, what it did to them. Just one man's influence. That was what it did. But back to the prophet. Reading from Conflict and Courage, page 202, paragraph 5, we are told, God gives his chosen messengers a holy boldness that those who hear may fear and be brought to repentance. How firmly the man of God rebuked the king and this firmness was essential. In no other way could the existing evils have been rebuked. The Lord gave his servant boldness that an abiding impression might be made on those who heard. The messengers of the Lord are never to fear the face of man but are to stand unflinchingly for the right. So long as they put their trust in God, they need not fear. For he who gives them their commission gives them also the assurance of his protecting care. End of quote. Brothers and sisters, there are times when you see presidents of conferences or leaders of the church doing things that are wrong. It is not for you to stay on the judgment seat when you see them being publicly rebuked for the thing that they are doing. If you understand clearly how they have influence and how this influence is going to lead others into deeper sin, you would understand that such a time is not a time to come to talk soft. God gave this prophet a holy boldness and a firmness that was, as we read, essential 
but because in no other way that's what we read in no other way could the existing evils have been rebuked why are we reading this because this was a king here it was going to be wrong to talk to a king that way he came to the altar where the king was making a sacrifice this would have looked like some kind of utter deep disrespect to jerubam who is the king and right there on the altar said cried on the altar said this altar it will be destroyed god will raise a man called josiah he will burn the bones of prophets upon this altar all these prophets you have ordained that jerubam was going to burn their bones on that altar it was a public rebuke he shamed jerubam in the presence of his subjects jerubam felt he was he was uh, disrespected in the presence of his subjects and it was something that incensed jerubam so, because, so to bring to take away the reproach from himself he wanted to seize the prophet and destroy him you see this is not the first time do you remember other people we have read about like david and even saul if you rebuke saul what do you think he's, he's gonna do he'll try to kill you and even other people that have tried it before we've seen how it was they can be killed for it and this man was going to be killed but the lord intervened and paralyzed the arm of jeroboam and whether he does it or not to people today there are people who want to rebuke the prophets who rebuke people be careful what you say about people be careful who you are siding and be careful who you are speaking against when the lord raises his messengers to rebuke kings to rebuke the presidents of conferences and leaders of churches be careful what you say against them because if these people are doing evil they need a rebuke and god needs to raise someone who will do the job that other people cannot do and what is that work to rebuke kings and this man faithfully did his work and remember he didn't do it in a wishy-washy way he didn't go there to give a smooth message to jeroboam he spoke very sternly very firmly in a very commanding manner to jeroboam not minding his position or his age because of the greatness of the evil I have seen sometimes when people are going in apostasy for example when the christian church started to accept recently these things of the lgbt lifestyle i know of some ministers who stay on the pulpit and speak very firmly and sternly against the against the the the, the, the other ministers who were accepting these things and i know of some people who say well, why are they speaking so sternly why are they using such words as if they insulted anybody they didn't insult anybody but some people cannot just bear it and understand the situation we find ourselves that there are sometimes that some sins need very firm and stern rebuke and the people who are doing that work are to be supported we are not to speak against them were you to be in the days of jeroboam would you have said oh this prophet he deserves to be killed he shouldn't have spoken so disrespectfully to the king if you are among those who are saying that then you are not on the lord's side if you understand what is going on the power of influence and how deep the evil is then you will not open your mouth to speak against those who are rebuking kings and those who rebuke the men of god and leaders in the church of god who are doing evil you wouldn't speak against them because they are doing a work that is needed in a way that it needs to be done you cannot in a way of speaking smoothly and just normal conversation bring about an end to this thing or open the ears of people take note it is not just the words that the man said but the way he said it we are told how firmly the man of god rebuked the king and this firmness was essential why in no other way could the existing evils have been rebuked the Lord gave his servant 
boldness that an abiding impression might be made on those who heard. The messengers of the Lord are never to fear the face of man but are to stand unflinchingly for the right. That is what is important here. It's not just the message but the manner in which the message was given. It was given sternly. It was given firmly because there was no other way it could be given so that the people can hear. And if the Lord is raising you up to do such a work, do not be afraid of the face of men. Be more concerned about the existing evils. If you don't speak in a firm manner, you wouldn't wake the people up. And that's why in the book of Isaiah 58, the Lord said, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice as a trumpet and show my people their transgressions and the house of Israel their sins. God does not say just show them their sins. He says how it should be done. How? Cry. How should you cry? Aloud. How should you go about it? Spare not. How should the voice sound? Lift it like a trumpet. Just in case you are thinking, oh, I should talk softly. No, 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 no. The Lord says, lift the voice. Let it sound like a what? Like a trumpet. If it doesn't sound that way, the people will not wake up. And that was why the man of God cried, altar, oh, altar. That is how we should cry today when we see the influences of leaders bringing in apostasy into the house of God. But after this man of God spoke to Jeroboam, and Jeroboam cried unto him, saying, Please help my paralyzed arm. The Lord blessed him. The prophet prayed, and his hand was was, was um, restored to him. But the man left, and Jeroboam did not repent. Jeroboam continued in his sin. First Kings 13, this is after the man had left now. First Kings 13 verse 33 says, After this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made again of the lowest of the people priests of the high places whosoever would he consecrated him and he became one of the priests of the high places and this thing became seen unto the house of jeroboam even to cut it off and to destroy it from off the face of the earth my brothers and sisters it shall not be well with you if you are among those who are bringing in systems of worship into the house of God that is turning the people of God away from God, especially when you have been rebuked, you've been corrected with the word of God, with the spirit of prophecy, you have been told this system is not right. And what are the kind of systems that are coming into the house of God today, like what Jeroboam did in building the, the calf, the golden calf in Bethel and in Dan? Oh, there are a lot of it today. There are a lot of practices coming into the church, just like what Jeroboam did. Remember that he started with the, with the system, first of all, and then the ordination of priests that were base, the lowest of people that Jeroboam ordained to, became, to become priests in the house of God. This thing, the Lord was displeased with. And what happened? The Lord was going to cut off the family of Jeroboam. One time when one of his children, I think his last child, was sick, and he told his wife to go to a prophet to inquire of that prophet what will happen to the child and how they can heal the child. His wife disguised herself and went to the prophet, but the Lord had already spoken to that prophet. He was a blind man, the prophet. And when his wife went to meet the prophet in disguise, not wanting the prophet to know that she was the wife of Jeroboam, the prophet spoke to her. In verse 7, he said, Go tell Jeroboam, Thus said the Lord God of Israel, For as much as I exalted thee from among the people, and made thee prince over my people Israel, and rent the kingdom away from the house of David, and gave it thee, and yet 
thou hast not been as my servant David who kept my commandments and who followed me with all his heart and to do that only which was right in mine eyes, but hast done evil above all that was before thee. For thou hast gone and made the other gods and molten images to provoke me to anger and hast cast me behind thy back. Therefore, behold, I will bring evil upon the house of Jeroboam, and will cut off from Jeroboam him that pisseth against the wall, and him that is shut up and left in Israel, and will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam, as a man taketh away dung till it be all gone. Him that dieth of Jeroboam in the city shall the dogs eat, and him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat, for the Lord has spoken it. Arise thou therefore, get thee to thine house. And when thy feet enter into the city, the child shall die, and all Israel shall mourn for him and bury him. For he only of Jeroboam shall come to the grave, because in him there is found some good thing toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. Moreover, the Lord shall raise him up a king over Israel, who shall cut off the house of Jeroboam that day. But what? Even now. For the Lord shall smite Israel as a reed is shaken in the water, and he shall root up Israel out of this good land which he gave to their fathers, and shall scatter them beyond the river, because they have made their groves, provoking the Lord to anger. And he shall give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam who did sin, and who made Israel to sin. Hmm. Look at this startling denunciation which has already brought about the doom of Israel, even beforehand. Many years it took this prophecy to get fulfilled. Little by little, everything got fulfilled. But the final part of the prophecy that says that God will scatter Israel beyond the river, completely remove them away, this man prophesied it and eventually it happened. But what was the reason? Jeroboam. Jeroboam was the reason. It was not Solomon. It was not King Saul. It was not David. It was not Rehoboam. Jeroboam was the reason for the destruction of Israel. Jeroboam is the reason why today Israel, the other nine tribes of Israel, do not exist. One man's influence destroyed Israel. We must be careful in appointing those who are ordained to be ministers. That was one of the sins that Jeroboam committed. Eventually, Jeroboam was destroyed by Abijam, the uh, son of King Solomon. Not that the Abijam killed him, but they had a war. And we will look at the words that Abijam said to Jeroboam tomorrow. But for now, just suffice to say that Abijam, when they went for that war, utterly destroyed the kingdom of Israel. And not long after that, some two years later or so, Jeroboam died. In the book of Second Chronicles chapter 13, verse 17, it says, And Abijah and his people slew them with a great slaughter. So there fell down slain of Israel, 500,000 chosen men. Wow! Even one natural disaster doesn't do that. In this war, 500,000. I know the story is that Jeroboam went with 800,000 men to fight Abijam. Abijam destroyed 500,000 of those men. Thus, the children of Israel were brought under at that time. And the children of Judah prevailed because they relied upon the Lord God of their fathers. And Abijah pursued after Jeroboam and took the cities from him, Bethel with the towns thereof, and Jeshana with the towns thereof, and Ephraim with the towns thereof. Neither did Jeroboam recover strength again in the days of Abijah, and the Lord struck him, and he died. You see, this brings an end to the story of Jeroboam. The great sin of Jeroboam which so angered the Almighty was his desire to consolidate power that led him to appoint the basest of people as ministers and made light of God's appointed services. 
Jeroboam placed himself at war with God, but he thought he was at war with Rehoboam. It was not Rehoboam and the house of David that made the temple to be in Jerusalem, but because of his desire for power, he instituted another system of worship and chased away everyone who favored the truth. Today, there are ministers who do the same thing. God has been pleased to give them a congregation, but they choose to see their position and their office and not God's own. They do not care about the truth, but all they care about is the consolidation of power and ensuring that the people remain under them. This was what led the chief priests and Pharisees to crucify Jesus. Jesus had the truth just as Judah had the truth. But because the priests saw their influence over the people was dwindling, they chose to kill Jesus. They decided to crucify him. Jesus pulled crowds and they didn't like it. But if they cared for the truth, if these priests cared for the truth and not just about their influence and power and their, how the people are under them and their personal glory, they would have been like John the Baptist and they would have been happy to see the people flocking after Jesus. Jeroboam was not happy to see the people flocking to Jerusalem. He was not someone who cared for the truth. There are ministers today who don't care for the truth. When they see their members attending evangelisms where they are preaching the truth, instead of that, they will institute another service. They will say, oh, we have another program today so that their members will not go for the service where they are preaching the truth. And there are some today, ministers who know, oh, there is this ministry where the truth is being preached. What will they do? Instead of encouraging the people to say, oh, this is where the truth is going on, even though I also preach the truth, but this person also is preaching the truth. What will they do? Instead, they will speak against those people who are preaching the truth in their pulpits and they will warn their members and say, don't go to this ministry, don't go to that church, don't support this man or that man. For what reason? Not because the person is not preaching the truth, but they will say he's not part of us. Are you for the truth or against the truth? Are you doing what Jeroboam did? If you are among those who are instituting services just because you see that there is another service somewhere that the truth is being preached there, you are not concerned about whether your members are hearing the truth. That's not what you're concerned about. What you're concerned about is, my people are going to leave me. If they go to that place and hear the message, I'm afraid that they will run away from me. You are doing the same thing Jeroboam did. Do you see what happened to Jeroboam at the end? Jeroboam reigned for many years. Don't think that it was just instantly that the Lord destroyed him. Jeroboam reigned for very long, but eventually he was destroyed. The Lord did not leave him to continue in his sin. And you also may be prospering, doing the same thing speaking against those who are preaching the truth. You may be prospering, instituting other base people to be ministers while you are chasing away those who are the true ministers of God. You may be doing the same thing. The Lord may bear with you for a while, but take note that what happened to Jeroboam will not be different from what will happen to you. We are to make sure that worship is done in the way that God wants it to be done and we are to ensure that we love the truth. It is not about us, it is about God. And wherever the truth is going on, it is not about whether it's my denomination or not my denomination. Allow the truth to stand. There are some ministers who hear about some truth. They know that if the people hear this truth, they will leave them. That's their concern. They say, oh, if I preach the Sabbath message, my message, my people are going to run away from me. I will lose my congregation. If I change the day of worship to the original day, let me leave it the way it is so that the people will not run away from me. You are the modern day Jeroboam. 
but the Lord is not happy with you. The Lord gave you that congregation, you man of God, pastor. The Lord gave you that congregation so that you can give them the truth so that like David, you will do what is right in the Lord's sight so that you will cause them to follow the commandments of God. But if you hear the commandment of God telling you this is the day to worship, telling you this is the way to worship, that there are some things you are doing in your church that is not good and you know that if you change it, the people will run away from you. But because of the fear that the people will run away from you, you choose to continue to do things that will keep the crowds. You keep to continue to do things that will increase your church numbers. You are like Jeroboam. The Lord is taking note of these things and he's writing it down against you. But now is a time when he's calling us to repent, to stop this evil that is going on today. Jeroboam's family died eventually. A man was raised called King Basha. Basha was a man who was working with the son of Jeroboam. When Jeroboam died, his son Nadab became king. But he had another person who was working with him whose name is Basha. It says in 1 Kings 15 from verse 25, And Nadab the son of Jeroboam began to reign over Israel in the second year of Asha, king of Judah, and reigned over Israel two years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the way of his father, and in his sin wherewith he made Israel to sin. And Basha the son of Ahijah, of the house of Issachar, conspired against him, and Basha smote him in Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines. For Nadab and all Israel laid siege to Gibbethon. Even in the third year of Asha king of Judah did Basha slay him and reigned in his stead. And it came to pass when he reigned that he smote all the house of Jeroboam. He left not to Jeroboam any that breathed until he had destroyed him according unto the saying of the Lord which he spake by his servant Ahijah the Shilonite because of the sins of Jeroboam which he sinned and which, the, which he made Israel sin by his provocation wherewith he provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger. But I would like to continue. This same man, Basha, was not any different. It goes on in verse 33 to say, In the third year of Asher king of Judah began Basha the son of Ahijah to reign over Israel in Tirzah twenty and four years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of Jeroboam and, his, and in his sin wherewith he made Israel to sin. And what did God do? God destroyed Basha also. Basha was the instrument used to destroy Jeroboam. But he too continued in the sin of Jeroboam. The Lord destroyed him too. The same manner in which he destroyed Jeroboam. God raised up someone else to destroy Basha. You see, God will not be trifled with. God uses one nation to destroy another, one person for another. It doesn't mean that the, the one who is doing it is more, more righteous. Even Abijam who fought Jeroboam and discomfited him, killing 500,000 of Jeroboam's men. He also was not a good person. When it was time for him, the Lord dealt with him too, just as he dealt with Basha. It was in God's order that these men were instruments by which his will was accomplished against the house of Jeroboam. God will hold us greatly accountable for the power of our influence. So greatly does God regard it that he destroyed the whole family of Jeroboam because of his influence in causing all Israel to sin. Of Jeroboam, Nadab his son, Basha and Abijam, the son of Rehoboam, the sacred record was written that through their influence, they caused those who looked up to them to sin. Now, reading from Christ's Object Lessons, page 340, paragraph 1, we are told, Throw a pebble into the lake, and a wave is formed, and another, and another. And as they increase, the circle widens until it reaches the very shore. So with our influence. Beyond our knowledge or control, it tells upon others in blessing or in cursing.
but never should it be forgotten that influence is no less a power for evil. To lose one's soul is a terrible thing, but to cause the loss of other souls is still more terrible. That our influence should be a server of death unto death is a fearful thought. Yet this is possible. Many who profess to gather with Christ are scattering from Him. This is why the church is so weak. Many indulge freely in criticism and accusing. By giving expression to suspicion, jealousy and discontent, they yield themselves as instruments to Satan. Before they realize what they are doing, the adversary has through them accomplished his purpose. The impression of evil has been made. The shadow has been cast. The arrows of Satan have found their mark. Distrust, unbelief and downright infidelity have fastened upon those who otherwise might have accepted Christ. Meanwhile, the workers for Satan look complacently upon those whom they have driven to skepticism and who are now hardened against reproof and entreaty. They flatter themselves that in comparison with these souls they are virtuous and righteous. They do not realize that these sad wrecks of character are the work of their unbridled tongues and rebellious hearts. It is through their influence that these tempted ones have fallen. So, frivolity, selfish indulgence and careless indifference on the part of professed Christians are turning away many souls from the path of life. Many there are who will fear to meet at the bar of God the results of their influence. End of quote. You see, the sin of Jeroboam did not stop with him. Every king of Israel after him continued in the same sin until God gave them up completely to destruction. And it was because of this one sin instituted by Jeroboam out of jealousy. This sin of Jeroboam, one can say, was the beginning of the end of Israel as a nation. Like Rehoboam, Jeroboam did not know peace for the rest of his life. He was in continual warfare and was eventually defeated because he set himself against God. But why? Because of his own pride and desire to receive worship and adoration. He and Baasha had the same end. They were not intending to bring glory to God. If they were, they would have urged Israel to go to Jerusalem and worship instead of in Bethel and Dan, even if it meant that what Jeroboam feared would happen, that is, he would lose influence on the people. But they didn't care about God, they cared about themselves. God may allow such ones like Jeroboam to reign, like the pastors today who are consolidating power. They don't want to tell their members the truth so that they will not go away from them. God may allow you to continue for a while, but he will surely visit such people in judgment. The record against Jeroboam in 1 Kings 14 verse 30 is that there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. And chapter 15 verse 6 says there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all the days of his life. Second Chronicles 12 verse 15 still says the same thing. It's reminding us, Psalms 119 verse 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And like we learned yesterday, Isaiah 32 verse 17, And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness quietness and assurance forever and my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and in sure dwellings and in quiet resting places being with god brings peace going away from god brings about destruction to ourselves we must have the god advantage by keeping his commandments by walking in righteousness for it is only when we walk in righteousness that we have quietness and peace it shall be well with the righteous but not with the wicked. Let us pray. 
dear Father in heaven, please protect us and help us, Lord, that whatever influence we have shall not be one that will consume us to the point that we will want to lead people away from the truth, even if it means that we consolidate power on ourselves. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have been bad influences to people. I pray for your children who are ministers, who have congregations under them. Please, Lord, help them, Lord, not to be so concerned about their power and their influence, but to be more concerned about leading people into the truth. Take away from us the evil influence, O Lord. Forgive us for the times we have done that and help us, Lord, to be conscious of our words, thoughts, and actions that we may lead people into the knowledge of the truth. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.